Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Um, so, welcome to church. We are walking through the, sphere, uh, the book of Acts all throughout the entire month, um, a month, summer, June, July, August. We're going to be going through Acts. This morning, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 9, and uh, I want to jump right into the scriptures, then I want to unpack it with you. But I want to read Acts 9, verse 1. I was stalling until there was enough light to actually read, and uh, here we go. It says these words. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Saul, the same guy we talked about last week, where where, where Stephen was stoned, and the people who were throwing rocks at Stephen to kill him were laying their coats in front of Saul's feet, for, for looking to him for approval, and this is the Saul of our story right now. So Saul goes to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation um, in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. In other words, he hated Christians. He hated that there was a a, a type of person. He hated this idea that somebody could convert to Christianity and and, and reject their old life and and start serving this, this blasphemous God. It says, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, to Jerusalem, back in chains. There was an an evilness to how Saul thought, a a hatefulness to how he processed life. It was wrong. And in verse 3, it says, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, in light, uh, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asks. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. And so many times in life, I've asked myself this question, and I'm sure you have too. God, there is a lot of evil in the world. What are you doing about it? Where are you? And here we have this moment. Saul actively actively killing Christians. You don't get more evil than that. It's just there's this idea that, that I want to do everything I can to, to stop the church, to stop this move of God, to stop this Jesus person. And Jesus shows up in front of Saul, in front of face-to-face with this evilness. He continues. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him him by hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. End scene. And it's important that we see this aspect of the story before we step into the second aspect of the story. 
Because in life, as I've alluded to earlier, what happens is we tend to ask ourselves, God, what are you doing about the evil that is in this world? What is your plan here? How are you planning to make a difference? How are you planning to change things? And God functions differently than we do. We see, we see the heart of Jesus all throughout the scriptures. We see God's approach to, to, to evil or, 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 or bad stuff all, all through the Bible. And what happens is this Bible, this, these words, the book of Acts, what we're about to read today, actually creates this framework and actually outlines and highlights a little bit of what I would call God's rescue plan for humanity. You see, because God is a very fascinating being. And what God has chosen to do for some reason or another, he's chosen to actually use people to reach people. If I was God, what's fascinating about the story is that God could have just stepped down and changed Saul all by himself. Saul had a moment with Jesus, and all that ended up happening to Saul in that particular moment is Saul went blind. That's bizarre. Why would he do that? Jesus could have switched everything in a moment. Jesus could have changed his heart, changed his life, changed his mind. The story could have been done perfect and complete with just this thought. But instead what takes place is this light shines. Paul talk, or Saul talks to Jesus. His companions see. Saul climbs up off the ground. He can't see anymore. And then they walk him by hand to this town. And the story seems so bizarre. Now I want us to look at verse 10. And in it, what I want you to see is I want you to see how God uses people to reach people. And I want you to put yourself in this story a little bit. Because I am sure that there are people in your life that God wants to use you to reach as well. The, 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 our, the God's rescue plan when it comes to church is not just so that God would bring everybody to a building, but it's so that God can use you in your day-to-day life, to reach the people that God has placed around you. So Acts chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. A different Ananias than the one we talked about a few weeks ago. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Assuming that's how Jesus talked. Yes, Lord, he replies. And we'll stop right there. So God appears to Ananias in a vision. He says, Ananias. And the first thing Ananias does is say, uh, yes, Lord. If you want to be used by God, I want to break this down really practically. You need to learn to respond to him. I am convinced that God's way more active in speaking to you than we often give him credit for. In fact, we're, we're, we're incredibly gifted at creating reasons and excuses for not doing what God asks us to do or not listening when he starts to speak to us. Now, for, there are some practical things that take place. Oftentimes what happens is we lead such busy lives that we don't actually have time to slow down and listen to Jesus. For some of us, it's we hear God speaking to us, but we're actually not all that interested. 
you know, I, I, I hear you speaking to me, God. I know what I should do, but I would rather do this instead. Sometimes it's that God is speaking to us, and just quite honestly, we're just, we're just not listening. Sometimes it's God speaking to us, and we're not willing to respond. Sometimes it's God speaking to us, but we're too afraid to, to, to respond back. Sometimes it's God speaking to us, but we're not actually entirely sure if that voice we're hearing in our heads is God. And so then causes us to just stop. So that's why when we started this year off, there was this emphasis on hearing the voice of God, spending time in prayer, learning how to discern who is God, who am I, what are you doing? The whole journey of Christianity is a, a lifelong pursuit of trying to get to know Jesus better. So if we are going to be used by God to make a difference in our world, if we want to be used by him, the first thing we got to do is we got to get to a place where we are responding, where we're not just bystanders watching God work in other people's lives. He wants to work in your life, not just mine, not just Delmar's. He wants to work in your life. Toye, you're back there doing media for us. God wants to work in your life, man. He wants to work in you. And it's entirely possible that God brought you here this morning just to remind you, hey, I've got a plan for you. And God's been speaking to you. And maybe he's been calling you to step out and do missions or calling you to step out and speak to somebody that you've written off and decided you never want to talk to again. Maybe he's stirring inside of you and he's speaking to you to, to start doing something. Take that risk. Make that difference. Take that chance. But we step back. We're like, oh, I don't know. Is that really God talking to me? I don't know. Let's be a people that responds. So Ananias, he responds. Yes, 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 Lord. What is it? Verse 11, the Lord said, go over to Straight Street and then go to the house of Judas. The one you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. And I, I've always loved this particular story. <laughs> Think about how precise that is. So, so here's, here's Ananias, and he has this vision, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and Jesus starts speaking straight facts. I want you to go down the street. I want you to take a right. I want you to go over to the house of Judas. I want you, when you get there, I want you to ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And he's writing all this stuff down, thinking, are you serious? What are you talking about? He's praying to me right now. The truth is, if you want to be used by God, number two, it's incredibly important that you learn to listen to Jesus and do exactly what he says. That we don't deviate from the plan. We don't take just, just part of Jesus' advice. Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Okay, sweet. Let's just do that. That's the easier piece. So he's walked down the street, knock on the door. Hey, hey, my name's Ananias. Just want to welcome you to the neighborhood. God bless you. Been praying for you. Thank you. Take care. We so do that sometimes. We cop out. We know God's speaking to us, but we say, you know what? I'm going to go 50%. And 50% is better than zero. I give you that. But 50% doesn't get you all the way there. 
Sometimes what I've found in my life is I tend to almost discredit God when I hear him ask me to do very specific things. Sometimes it's just that God will speak to you and it just sounds too boring. And so we're like, you know what, that's lame. I'm not going to do it. There's no way you're asking me to do that. Right, baby? I know. I know. I know. And sometimes that happens where it's like, you know what? I feel like God's telling me just to do this, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't sound that exciting. And it's almost as though we've over-mysticized how we think God works. And we get this idea that God only works and speaks in miracles. Only speaks with loud, booming voices. And only does epic stuff through the Christian church. But the reality is, to walk a life of faithfulness doesn't always look glamorous and flashy. I've said this before. Jesus had the ability to walk on water. And if I had that ability, I would always walk on water. (laughs) I would bust those party tricks out every chance I can get. Go to a pool, cannonball! Just kidding, just kidding. I can walk on water. Take that, suckers. That's how I would flow. But in the Bible, Jesus didn't do that. It wasn't always mystical and glamorous. We have it in Scripture that sometimes Jesus took boats. And if he could walk on water, why on earth would you take a boat, Jesus? You can walk on water. You can turn water into wine. Why are you drinking water, bro? (laughs) Make chocolate milk. Do something. But what Jesus does is it's not always always glamorous, mystical stuff. And sometimes what I find in the Christian church is we get discouraged thinking, oh, man, I can't hear from God. I'm not hearing from God lately. I, when I swim, I go underwater. Like, my, 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 my church sucks. Uh, why, why, is it, why is it God moving like crazy and seeing angels every time I come to church on a Sunday? Like, is Jesus even real? And we get these like crazy ideas where we're like, God's not moving because we're not seeing this and this and this. And sometimes we miss God standing right in front of our eyes. Praying ridiculous prayers. God, show me where you are. What do you want me to do? It's like, I'm just asking you to be way more patient as a father. I'm just asking you to treat people with respect. I've been asking you to get into your word for decades. You're praying for a a word, a a prophecy moment. You're praying for a visual, like, I want to see Jesus in the flesh. And God's like, I gave you my word to speak to you years ago. I'm already speaking to you. What are you looking for? You want to be used by God? We need to listen to Jesus and do what he says. No matter what the cost. Verse 12. Love this. Jesus gets very specific. And he says, I've shown him, this is Saul, I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. I love what this picture paints for us. Because over here on Straight Street, we have Saul sitting at James's house or Judas's house, wherever he is. He's sitting in there. And all of a sudden, Saul is having this profound moment with God. 
He couldn't see for the last few days. He's freaking out, wondering, what on earth am I going to do? What just happened? I didn't know God worked like that. Is this for real? I can't see anything. And all of a sudden, boom, he gets this vision of some stranger named Ananias coming to his house to pray for him. And meanwhile, at the exact same time, God's over here a few blocks away. Speaking to Ananias, boom, this is what I want you to do right now as we speak, as I'm speaking to you. I'm giving a vision to that guy two blocks away from you. And that is so cool. Because we always think that God is only working in our life. And we had this idea that God, God is like, he's my personal God, so he's my personal Lord and Savior, which means he only cares about me, not you guys. Right? We get this idea almost sometimes when we pray. We're like, oh, God, you're too busy. You're too busy. You're busy helping all these other people at the same time. God's like, whoa, hold back, Jack. Look what I can do. I can speak to you, and I can speak to him at exactly the same time. And if you want to be used by God, it's less about what you're doing and more about what God is doing. You see, here's Ananias. Minding his own business. The Bible doesn't go into any detail telling us about how cool Ananias is, how educated he is, how many years he spent at Coastline College. He doesn't even talk about that. The only descriptor of Ananias is Ananias was a believer. And this room is full of believers. This room is full of people just like Ananias. Normal people. A little bit weird, people. That is, that is Ananias in a nutshell. And I can relate to that. I have a hard time relating to Jesus, but I can relate to Ananias. I'm like, oh man, I can relate to that for sure and for certain. And when it comes to being used by God, sometimes we think that the emphasis needs to be on us, our education, our skills, our gifts, our talents. Okay, what could I do? Okay, so I'm going to go and help Saul. What could I do to help Saul? Okay, I have nothing. I'm just a believer. <laughs> you see, God was at work in this whole situation. It's God who heals. It's God who does it. Not Ananias. It's God who brings the breakthrough. Not you. You cannot restore your marriage by yourself. You can't make somebody forgive you. You can't make somebody change their heart or change their perspective. That's not on you. I don't care how good of a salesperson you think you are or how influential or how charismatic or how much you think you can do it. It's the Holy Spirit who transforms lives. It's the Holy Spirit who inevitably, whether you recognize it or not today, it's the Holy Spirit who brought you here this morning. God is working behind the scenes in real time, right before our very eyes. And this is what the scripture verse gives us a little insight into. An insight into the supernatural and the practical nature through which God moves. Moving on. Verse 13, but Lord, have you lost your mind, exclaims Ananias. 
I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to all the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Can you send somebody else, please? Like, do you have any idea what he can do? And I love that this is totally our approach to God oftentimes. We feel the need that we need to educate him as to the severity of the matter around us. Oh, silly Jesus. Did you not know what Saul can do? Silly Jesus, did you not know that cancer is terminal? You can ask me to pray? What? No. Andrea, where are you? Is cancer terminal? Not at all. We saw God heal you, didn't we? Absolutely, amen. Absolutely you are. Absolutely you are. And God is moving all around us. Ananias, he sits there. God, are you crazy? That's impossible. Friends, this is the kind of faith we're supposed to have. This is what makes Christianity so appealing. That God can literally do anything. If you want to be used by God, you need to learn how to see people the way God sees people. Because here's Ananias. And he's thinking, I don't want anything to do with Saul. If it were up to him, he would have rather gone to a church small group and prayed for Saul. He would have rather preached a sermon on how we need to go reach people like Saul. I can tell you what he didn't want to do that morning. Go over to Saul's house and lay his hands on him. And so often, we as Christians, I find we do, the, we do a good thing in an effort to avoid doing the God thing. Where it's like, I will I, I see what I'm doing, God. I, I, I'm here. I, I served on team today. And these are all great stuff. But deep down, we know that God's asking us to speak to our neighbor. Or deep down, we know that God is asking us to, 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 to speak to our, our coworker. And we're like, no, 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 no. Do you, do you know what would happen if I talked about faith in my work? I'd get fired. Well, not me. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I got I, I, <laughs> If I didn't talk about faith, I'd get fired. <laughs> it's the opposite in my world, but. That was actually a pretty funny one. <laughs> Threw myself off there. I'm like, just literally looking down, reading nothing, thinking, that was actually pretty funny. That was a good one. That was, that was, that was a good one. Verse 5, or 30, 15. God speaks back to Ananias. You fool. This is what he says. But the Lord says, go anyways. He says, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. 
and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias, you have no idea what I'm planning to do through this guy. Don't you worry. He's got what's coming for him. Don't you worry. But I need you to go. And this is the most interesting piece of the entire story. Because God could have just talked to Saul by himself. But God included Ananias in this journey. God needed Ananias to walk by faith and go down the street and knock on his neighbor's door and say, is there a man from Tarsus here named, uh, what was it again? Saul? And that's what God needed Ananias to do. Have you ever heard of Mordecai Ham? I just watched a great documentary on Billy Graham's life. It's awesome. Mordecai, everyone knows Billy Graham. Mordecai Ham is the guy who led Billy Graham to the Lord. Did you know that? Whoa, that's crazy. No Mordecai Ham, no Billy Graham. No Ananias, no Saul. Who does Saul become? Saul becomes Paul. What does Paul do? He starts the greatest missionary moment of the church. What does Paul do after that? While doing that, what's he doing? He's writing the majority of the New Testament. (laughs) Once we have the New Testament, what do we start building? We We start getting the church as we know it. As the church starts to grow and develop, it moves from, from over in Europe and it comes over, over here. We look at the, the beginning of the 19th century and we see this, this, this move of the Holy Spirit and we, we see stuff happen at like Azusa Street. We start seeing these revivals pop up and we start seeing this, the Pentecostal movement move. And then through that, we, we have this, this movement, this little pocket movement in Victoria. Where, where all of a sudden people start getting saved and healed and, and, and God starts moving powerfully. And out of that, Coastline Church gets planted. Then a hundred years later, we find ourselves here. And in that process, somebody had the vision to go out and plant in the West Shore. Then all of a sudden, they planted us in the West Shore seven years ago. Then COVID happens and it shuts down. Like, what are we going to do? We're praying, God, what are you going to do? I'm literally on the search committee trying to figure out who we're going to hire to go and pass to the West Shore. I'm like, God, who are we going to send? Who should we send to the West Shore? Meanwhile, Shandy moves to the West Shore with her work. Meanwhile, we buy a house in the West Shore. All our kids go to school in the West Shore. Everything's in the West Shore. I'm like, God, who am I going to send to the West Shore? I got no idea. Who's going to go? Do you even care? Where are you? And then I expected that if I was ever going to get called to go and do a church that it would feel very mystical and exciting. But it was just kind of like, huh, I think I'm the most obvious person. I, I, I think I should just go. And then we go to the business center, and God does great, exciting things at the business center. And then we leave there, we come here. Now we look around. This is a little bit of a stretch. You follow that timeline, and we find ourselves to Ananias. If Ananias never talked to Saul, who knows where we'd be this day? Everybody loves the Paul jersey. 
He's the flashy one. He's the one who wrote the whole New Testament. That's, that's that, or not the whole New Testament, lots of it. Like, that's the guy who did a lot of cool stuff. That's the guy we all talk about. But there was no Saul, no Paul without Ananias. And I would so encourage you to try and be like Ananias before you try and be like a Paul. Because it's those small practical steps, those small steps of obedience, those small steps of faith that change people's lives. If you want to be used by God, what you need to realize is that sometimes your reward is actually somebody else's blessing. Ananias didn't get sweet credit. He got, maybe he got a, he got a name, honorable mention in the Bible. That's pretty sweet. But it's Paul who went on to go and do these extraordinary things. Sometimes I've noticed something just really frustrating about human nature. And I, it's really frustrating when you parallel it with the church and Christianity. You see, Christianity isn't actually about you. Christianity isn't about me. It's about Jesus. This church is about Jesus. Our faith is about Jesus. This Bible is about Jesus. The worship we do on a Sunday is about Jesus. The, these moments that we're about to experience are about Jesus. This barbecue that we're having after the service is about Jesus. It all points back to Jesus. And so often in Christianity, what we do is we make Christianity about us. And when we do that, we sell everything short. We, we I have no better way to say it. Like, it's like we like, I have, there's lots of better ways to say it. Uh, like we, we take the power out of Christianity. When you think that Christianity is supposed to be about you, you miss something big. Verse 17. So Ananias went. And he goes and he found Saul. And it says, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Important that we don't miss that second piece. It wasn't just about healing Paul and giving him his vision back. It was about making a deposit, an eternal deposit in his life. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit is available for us today too. It continues instantly. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and he regained his strength. Everything changed all of a sudden. And what we see here is that if we want to be used by God, we need to let God use us. It's not actually all that complicated. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'd love to pray for you.
This morning, I would like to pray two prayers. The first prayer I'm going to pray is for those who may be visiting this morning. <laughs> it could be your first time. Or maybe you've actually been coming for months. Dare I say years. And the idea of personalizing your faith to the point where you say, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me with your presence. That whole idea is, is foreign to you. Or what's happened is you've, be, you've be started to walk this walk where, where you put all of your idea of how Christianity works into that, well, I'll just come to church and that must be what being a Christian is. The truth is it's about having a relationship with Jesus. If I could ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, where like Ananias, you have this relationship through which God leads you and guides you. Where like Saul, you can have this conversion type moment, maybe without the blindness for three days, but this moment where you, everything gets transformed, you become a new person in him. You're tired of the old way of living and you want to live in a new way. If that's you, raise your hand just for a moment. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to sit in this moment for a bit. God can restart everything. It's my favorite thing about Jesus. He's a God of second chances. So if you raise your hand with me, I invite you to pray with me. In fact, I invite all of you to, to pray alongside us. It's a powerful prayer. Jesus, sorry. Sorry for the things I've done, the decisions I've made. The Sorry for putting, putting just dumb stuff at the forefront of everything at times. God, would you forgive me? Forgiving me for me, for forgive me for making this life all about me. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for, for dying on a cross so that I could have a, a second chance at life. Thank you, thank you for loving me when I can't love myself. Thank you for seeing hope and purpose in me when I can't seem to find it inside of who I am. Jesus, I pray that you would restore me you'd heal me, refresh me, fill me with your spirit, show me what it looks like to be a Christian, and help me to walk out my faith. In your name we pray, amen. We put our hands together and clap for those who just gave their lives to Jesus. It's powerful, powerful. I have one more prayer I want to pray too, because I love praying. I want to pray for you that you would be a I want to pray that when people think about you they think about Jesus that your faith would be so alive and vibrant that it wouldn't just be 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 something that we believe that we wouldn't just be known as believers we'd be known as Christ followers 
that people be able to see something different about the way that we lead our lives. That it would, our faith would impact our marriages, our faith would impact our, our, our families, our children. That your faith would radically and dynamically impact your work life and the way you work and the way you lead and live. That you would have a peace in your own heart, that you wouldn't feel this tension where, hey, I can raise my hands and be a Christian at church, but you have this difficulty of being a Christian when you're in the workplace. So I want to pray. And I want, I want to pray just like, like you guys. Let's, let's pray. Because <laughs> I want this in my own life too. And then we'll worship. But Jesus, we just, we just stand here together as a church recognizing, Lord, that we do not have everything figured out. That we are not your gift to Vancouver Island or your gift to our family or your gift to this moment. But Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our gift to us. That we can walk with you. That you can guide us. That you can lead us. That, God, that you've got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And Jesus, I pray for each person represented in this room today, every man, every woman, every child, that Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. I pray that you would renew our faith, that you would refresh our spirit, that God, that we'd be able to step into this summer knowing that we serve a God who is here, who is in us, who goes behind us, before us, and lays his hand of blessing on our head. Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you that we get to be a part of it. God, you are good, and we praise you right now. In your name we pray.